Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast, live from B-Rock. Uh, no, I like that. I like the cheering going. I appreciate you guys making it out here at B-Rock, 2911 North Sherman Avenue. Just, what, stone's throw from Warner Park for those that know the Madison Mallards and, and the Madison area. I'm Jay Kokorowski. Thank you guys for making it out here. Got a big show coming up. Cheers to you guys. I'll be joining you guys, hopefully, for a toast after the show, of course. Uh, and uh, appreciate you guys for making it out here. And uh, we got a lot to talk about today. We'll have some player interviews. Evan Bondock talking about his performance, the walk on from Madison Edgewood, fifth year senior, making his impact with uh, five tackles, a tackle for one and a half tackles for loss, a forced fumble, and an interception. Uh, we'll play my interview with Taiwan Deal, another redshirt senior, making a huge impact. And we're going to break down his performance and what's looking ahead for Northwestern too. We also have Brian Caribou from Beer Rock on talking about a big event going on uh, next Wednesday. Not, not, not tomorrow, but the 31st as Beer Rock turns into Moe's Tavern. I'm excited for that. I'm almost too giddy for it, so we'll have him on at the end of the show. Uh, make sure uh, we talk more about that, along with some delicious donuts. Uh, and, and so I'm happy about that. But yeah, there's a lot to get to. Let's start off first. Some game recap. Wisconsin, a 49-20 victor over Illinois on Saturday in quite the wintry conditions. Very much a four-season type of game, literally, where you had a brief, how do you call it, blizzard, snowstorm, sleet storm, whatever. But Wisconsin turns out 545 yards of offense, 357 on the ground, two 100-yard rushers in Jonathan Taylor and Taiwan Deal. Taylor going for 159 yards on 27 carries, almost six yards per touch. And then Taiwan Deal, 111 yards on 12 carries, two touchdowns for the redshirt senior from Maryland. And it was a, a big win there. The offense got on track that way. Uh, the one, and we'll get into this briefly before we play the interview with Evan Bondock from postgame, but really just uh, Hornerbrook's totals 13 of 22 for 188 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. There was the good, obviously the three touchdown passes, got three receptions from Jake Ferguson for 62 yards. Started the needle on a couple of pass plays there, showed some accuracy there. A nice touchdown pass to Ferguson with the over-the-shoulder pass, obviously, for his third touchdown of the season for Ferguson. And, you know, he displayed some, some good touches there and, and a little bit of arm strength, strength as well. Now the bad, you know, it's been kind of an open roller coaster, and a lot of people will blame Hornibrook for the interceptions. There are two of them. And, and really it comes down to, you know, I – I, I'm going to say this in a Q&A with our friends from Inside NU, which is the SB Nation site that's dedicated to covering Northwestern athletics. I'm telling them that, you know, the problem with Alex Hornibrook is, is that he isn't Russell Wilson. And, and the, kind of the comparisons every Wisconsin quarterback since Russell Wilson, it's been 
interesting to say the least, just seeing what Joel Stave, uh, Daniel O'Brien before him, uh, and then you know you look at a guy like you know Bart Houston and now Hornybrook going through and, and really seeing a just yeah, he for who he is, not necessarily a mobile quarterback by any stretch of the imagination for Hornybrook. Uh, he makes good throws. He's strong. You know, he's got a strong college arm. I know some people say he's got, he doesn't have that strength. I, I disagree. If you see the Michigan game last year from a, uh, the pass to AJ Taylor is my prime example. Even this year, you've seen him thread the needle when he's needed to uh, a lot of the seam, uh, the kind of a skinny post or a slant. He, he gets it in there when he needs to. Now, I will say, I mean, they have to be on the same page. He talked about it after the game about the interception that was supposed to be for A.J. Taylor and having that interception and them saying they're on the same page and Paul Chris kind of bringing both aside on the sidelines. It's uh, – the passing game, you can, you can say with honesty that the passing game maybe hasn't not been what Wisconsin has, has wanted it to be, what fans, expect, fans and outside media expected it to be. Uh, you have three capable wide receivers right now on the roster and Taylor, Danny Davis, Kendrick Pryor, but also you have an emergence of Jake Ferguson, who I think has really stepped up and looked really great uh, as a compliment and become a pr- premier target on third down for Hornybrook, sort of like what Troy Fumagalli was in years past. And the, the, but though I will say the passing game hasn't gotten on track and uh, the interceptions did not look good. Even the one pass that Danny Davis cut to the outside on I, inside the, 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 you know, the end zone uh, and Hornybrook threw it uh, to the back corner, not even the back corner. It was just the back of the end zone rather than the side. Uh, you know, maybe there's some miscommunication there and, and they need to correct that moving forward, obviously. But uh, I'm one of those guys. I'm not an apologist by any stretch, but I also feel that for all the throws he may not make, he makes ones that he obviously that he does. And, and you've seen the, uh, you know, the Orange Bowl has been one big example, 250 some odd yards, four touchdowns. So he made those plays there, and, uh, you know, it's uh, one example, and it's a call out there. Look at Jesse Temple's article for those that subscribe to The Athletic because Temple really kind of lays it out. I mean, you look at, you know, Michael Dieter, for that matter, had two to three penalties against him uh, on Saturday and and two on the same drive. Now, the holding call that was put against him was maybe a little specious where it looked good on paper, but really – uh, looking at it, he looks like he just fell down, and uh, you know they, they called the hold there. But uh, I digress there. I just you know Hornybrook does need to become more. I mean, accurate. He's only completed under sixty percent of his passes so far, about fifty nine percent. And so we'll see how he progresses against a Northwestern defense that really you know they're giving up about two hundred and thirty yards through the air uh, and and one hundred and forty three on the ground. But honestly. Uh, we'll see what that we'll get to Northwestern in just a few minutes there. Uh, defensively, let's talk some great things. There are 300 yards allowed total. Uh, and in that first half, five turnovers forced. And that was a huge win there. A team that came in only having nine takeaways on the season comes in and forces five in two quarters. And there's three interceptions, uh, two fumble recoveries on that. And it is, uh, I mean, that translated to 21 points right there. So they fed off the Wisconsin, Wisconsin offense, fed off those turnovers and created points. And, and that's what you want to see, on a team, especially facing a, bad, a not great team like Illinois. Uh, one, you know, you take a look at some of the, the big names 
on defense and and it's it's looking at this real quick oh there we go but one name obviously evan bondock five tackles 1.5 tackles for loss an interception a forced fumble you have to like that i mean that depleted secondary you have to be impressed and they're gonna get challenged against northwestern we'll get to that in a little bit but really uh bondock stepped up in huge fashion there with Dakota Dixon, Reggie Pearson, Scott Nelson, all sidelined and all not available, you know, all not available for the game. Him and, and Eric Burrell. Burrell had another five tackles, a quarterback hurry, and a forced fumble himself. Uh, that forced fumble, Ryan Conley called an effort play post game. And Conley and Van Ginkle both led the team in tackles with six. And you saw Van Ginkle get a sack, and that's huge for a pass rush there. They'll be needed against a guy like Clayton Thorson coming up on Saturday morning. So, uh, but you also got to, you know, let's talk about that. I want to talk a little bit about the secondary real quick. Thank you, guys. You guys have a good night. <laughs> Some great people here at Beer Rock. Again, 2911 North Sherman Avenue on the north side of Madison here. And really, it's... You like what the secondary is doing with even with Fan Hicks, who I really didn't see out there. You had Deron Harrell, you had Caesar Williams, you have Rashad Wild Goose, a true freshman out of Miami, who I I'm I'm on the bad wagon for Wild Goose and I'm just waiting for it. He had that fumble recovery and I had joked with him after, like what his thoughts were was he gonna try to do the scooping score, but he, he thought he'd boot it or kick it, so he he just fell on it. So it's a really a, I I like what I'm seeing out of that secondary. They will be tested this week, but Illinois came into the game averaging only 155 yards through the air. Wisconsin held, held them to 90, and that was a good win for the secondary. And you like what Coach Leonard, Jim Leonard, the defensive coordinator, and others, uh, that you know, uh, Ashton Yabuti, the control, quality control coach on defense. You like what they're, they're coaching, you know, just how they're really making that defense uh, of backfield stand up and, and play up to, to potential. So we'll see what they do against Northwestern. We'll get to that in a bit. But really, uh, what we'll do now, let's get to we have audio post game from Evan Bondock. He talked with reporters. It is lightly edited for you guys. But without further ado, here's Evan Bondock's discussion with reporters post game here on Bucky's. I'm um, just trusting and, and letting it go and, and just playing and have fun uh, it's something coach Leonard talks about all the time you know just just trusting it and uh, when you get out there just go all out and, and don't look back and just go have fun and, and make plays and it was a lot of fun today how'd you keep your mindset to be prepared for an opportunity like this to come along I mean it could have been now it could have been a couple weeks ago it could have been a few weeks down the road yeah um, I mean, it's something I think we do a really good job of as a, as a group and as a as a DB room. Um, we're all we're all pretty cohesive, and we all try to work together to to do the best we can to have everyone prepared and ready to play. Because uh, you know, like I said, you know, Dakota is the leader of our room, and his his big preaching point is standards, and we want to keep that standard. And we've been good the last couple of years, and I think that's we're trying to continue to do that. How did you play that one when you got the interception? It seemed like it kind of floated. Your... Yeah, it. Um, you know, I got a good read on it from the post, and um, it kind of floated up in the air. And uh, obviously, it was snowing and a little windy at that point, so it was kind of hard to read it. But um, just got in the position and, 
uh, lucky enough to make the play. Does a moment like that kind of make your, your whole career worth it, you know, coming here as a walk-on, paying your dues, and to be rewarded like that? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a ton of fun, and um, yeah, I guess I don't know if I can really put it into words. It, it, was, it was a ton of fun just to be out there and just to just play, and yeah, it was great. Fumbly forced, how did that play out? Um, I was just going to set the edge, and at that point, you know, the ground is pretty slippery. There's a lot of snow, and um, we knew the ball was going to be loose, and that's something we always try to do as a defense. You know, if, it, if they're carrying it loose, try to punch it out, and uh, happen to get a hand on it and mm -hmm. pop out. How many snow games have you played in? I mean, um, I not a lot yet. We haven't had a ton. Here, but, yeah, you know, not, we haven't had a whole lot. Um, yeah, a couple back in high school, okay. I think, during in the playoffs. But <laughs> other than that, yeah, not a whole lot. But, yeah, I mean. As a defense, especially, I think playing the snow is really fun. Yeah. What does it mean to have a defense that forces five turnovers in the first half? And I know the secondary has been depleted with injuries. Yeah. And three contributors in the position out. But like, what does it mean to you to force that many turnovers and eliminate? Yeah, it was great. Um, you know, as a defense, obviously turnovers are probably the number one thing you're looking for. And we knew that if we, you know, got a couple, we'd get some energy rolling. And uh, as some coach Leonard had on before the game, you know. So, one guy make a play, and then we'll feed off that and keep rolling and keep rolling and keep rolling. I think that's kind of what happened. What, what did you guys see on that, that 80 yard touchdown by, by Corbin? Was it in terms of him switching back to the other side of the field? Yeah, um, that was tough to look at it on film. Like, it was kind of hard to see, but um, obviously we, we don't want that to happen. But we'll make the adjustments and don't let it happen again. Yeah. You're five years here. What does it being part of this group meant? And the guys that kind of, I, they, you can tell they appreciate what you yeah. do. Um, yeah. What does that mean to you and to be able to have a day like this and see how they react? Yeah, it's, it's really cool. Um, you know, I'm obviously really close with all these guys and they're my brothers and you know, to see them, you know, be happy for me is, is awesome and it's it a ton of fun to, you know, see them coming over and you know, congratulating me on something like that and it was awesome. Family here? Yeah, yeah. Every game, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. not not too far from them to go. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah. Um, how do you move in in preparation for your next game? Um, the same way I think we always prepare. Um, we try not to change anything based on you know success or failure, and you know we we try to just uphold our standards and you know be great every week. In your mind, when you look back on this, I mean, having the snow happening, is that going to make this all kind of a, a little more magical in, yeah, in your mind? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, that, that's pretty cool. That's a, kind of what you ask for in a Wisconsin game, is a lot of snow and blowing winds. And, you know, it's a couple guys said on the, on the sidelines, you know, old school traditional football. So it was a lot of fun. It's a kind of a random question, but you guys go through the arch on Camp, Camp Randall when you get in here. What's the who's the best dressed in your opinion on game days coming in here? <laughs> the best dressed? Uh, are you talking about like when we get off the bus in yeah. suits and stuff? Yep. I mean, uh, my guy Eric Burrells, he's got some good stuff coming every week, so um, he keeps he keeps his fashion top notch. <laughs> and that was Evan Bondock again, redshirt senior safety, another walk on. You talk about the walk-on tradition, I should know because I wrote a book, Walk On This Way, the ongoing legacy of the Wisconsin football walk-on tradition here. Uh, of course, you can get that on Amazon. You can go to Costco, by the way. Uh, nice deal, about 15, 16 bucks. Uh, or actually, 16, 17 bucks uh, at the Costco in Middleton. So uh, be sure to t check that out. But Evan Bondock, another walk-on that stepped but steps up, you know, and, and he makes a huge play and, and makes the ability to really 
I mean, it's a pl- another opportunity for a walk-on to fill into cracks. Uh, as I believe Luke Swan once told me, it's the they are Wisconsin walk-ons are the glue that fill in. Uh, but like guys like J.J. Watt, Chris Maragos, Joe Schobert, Jared Aberderis, Alex Erickson, other Daria Gumbawale, they don't just fill in with the glue. They are they excel and they make a big impact. So. Again, Evan Bondock got his opportunity, and he made the most of it. Looking ahead now, though, uh, we are looking at Northwestern. We're here, Beer Rock, 2911 North Sherman Avenue here in Madison, Wisconsin. Bucky's fifth cut podcast. Again, Jay Kokorowski here. Find, uh, find us on Twitter at B5Q, at b 5 q And with Northwestern, I'll be down there. And before we even get into the Wildcats, let's talk about the injury report for Wisconsin. And, and right now, again, four key members of the secondary, along with a key member of the defensive line, all questionable for the game in Evanston at Ryan Field. And so you're looking at, first off, Olive Songapolu, the nose tackle, had an interception, that deflection, that was a great play, the deflection into an interception. He has a left leg injury, had during practice today at the end of it that we saw or we didn't see practice but he was walking out uh into the mclean center and he had a right uh, like a brace on his left leg didn't see him fully dressed at all uh so i mean there's nothing to really really report there but you also have we'll see if he can go if not you're looking at bryson williams getting his first collegiate start as a true freshman early enrollee hoping to talk with him tomorrow during media availability but also joining Songapolu at as questionable, you got Dakota Dixon, Scott Nelson, both with right leg injuries, safety, another safety, Reggie Pearson, left leg, and then cornerback Fan Hicks, who was dressed for the game on Saturday, also had a left leg injury. Uh, and like I said, they're all key contributors to the defense there. Isaiah Loudermilk, again, left leg out this week. And so you'll have to turn to Matt Henningsen, another former walk-on, and also Caden Lyles, a four-star converted offensive lineman to help anchor that defense. It's going to be a very young defensive line if Sangapolu can't go on Saturday. And that's something to really watch. Granted, I will say you won't have to necessarily worry about the rushing offense for Northwestern because they are ranked 127th in the nation in gaining yards on the ground, 78.1. Uh, and their, their star back, Jeremy Larkin, was obviously retired at the end of September due to having uh, a spinal injury. So uh, looking at Northwestern then, at that, they, they score about 25 points per game. That's about 103rd in the nation. Uh, passing offense, though, top 20, 19th in, in the FBS, 296.3. You know, Clayton Thorson's completed almost 62% of his passes for near uh, 1,905 yards, nine touchdowns, seven interceptions, something to watch. For Wisconsin's defense, if they can take the ball away, on that note, uh, total offense about three set, less than 375 yards per game. It's 89th. They are four and three on the year. Uh, four and one though in Big Ten play, and they came out, however, a rough. The past couple weeks have been rough. Almost lost to Nebraska, and then against Rutgers, an 18-15 win uh, as well. So, uh, but you know, the one big name to watch in the, you know, the, well, actually three in the passing game. Flynn Nagel, 56 receptions, 693 yards, two touchdowns. 
Uh, a super back, Cameron Green, 31 receptions, 284 yards, three touchdowns. And then another wide receiver, Bennett uh, Skwarnik, uh, has 29 receptions for 337 yards, one touchdown. So you have three players that really, you know, they thrive in the passing game. Over 30 or almost 30 receptions there, uh, you know, for between three players or over th- with three players all together. So. Uh, looking a little bit more too. I mean, they do convert 40% of their third downs, a 65th best in the nation. And so Jim Leonard's unit will have to keep that to a, a minimum at the least, especially on the road and not allowing a one-dimensional Northwestern squad to really get going. Now, they did have a 100-yard rusher last year, uh, last week, I should say, uh, they rushed for actually 128 yards total on 47 carries. Not great, to say the least. Uh, but the, the one back maybe that someone to look out for is Isaiah Bowser. 26 carries, 110 yards, two touchdowns, and that's on offense. Defensively, uh, you know, not, not bad uh, when it comes to just what they've done. They allow just about 373 yards total, 229, 230 almost through the air about 143 on the ground, give about 25 points per game. Yeah, and third down conversions, they're actually pretty good, 32nd in the nation, only allowed 34%. And so Wisconsin, of course, that bread and butter, keep that offense going, converting and moving those chains. Uh, talk to guys like Tyler Biotish or or other, you know, talk to, talking today, like guys like Cole Van Lannen, uh, you know, they, they know what they have to do against that Wildcats defense. Uh, two linebackers really pop out. Blake Gallagher leads the team in tackles with 68, has four for loss. Patty Fisher, who Wisconsin, I believe, not not mistaken, tried to commit, uh, tried to recruit to get to Wisconsin. He's second on the team with 54, uh, has a couple of pass breakups. Uh, the big name on the defensive line is uh, Joe Gaziano, 70 or 7.5 tackles for loss, leads the team there. 4.5 sacks. That defensive line too, uh, with Thompson. Uh, and, and whatnot, uh, you're looking at, I mean, uh, it's Jordan Thompson uh, and Gaziano. It, it might be a, you know, it, it's going to be a challenge against Wisconsin. We'll see what Wisconsin can do uh, against them. And they give up, like I said, about 143 yards rushing per game. Can Wisconsin get through? And, you know, they're, you know Jonathan Taylor right now obviously has been over 100 yards all six games. Um, you know, or, yeah, for all the games this season. So one thing to watch out there, actually not six, seven games for Taylor. So I think the keys there is just Wisconsin getting that ground game running. I mean, that's, I mean, it's cliche. It's something, but at Wisconsin, obviously, you get the ground game going. Takes uh, You don't have to worry about the Northwestern offense. And then you just keep plowing along, wearing down the defensive line in the front seven of Northwestern. We'll see what, that, what comes of that. Uh, on the opposite side, stopping Northwestern's passing attack. Obviously, don't let the run game go, but if they, that young secondary, the key matchup there, going up against guys like Flynn Nagel and Skowarnik and, and how a secondary like Eric Burrell matches up maybe against Cameron Green or if they have a guy like you know, one of the inside or outside linebackers up against uh, Green, who you know is uh, yeah, under 10 yards per catch, but still uh, is being utilized in that offense. Uh, and, you know, another key 
back in from the 2016 season just break that you know they broke the curse of Ryan Field in my opinion there with a bit with a, a win in Evanston then they need to continue that it's a key matchup this is a huge uh, it's huge for the Big Ten West with Iowa and Northwestern and Wisconsin right now uh, in my opinion in the driver's seat in this division to try to get to Indianapolis again and I think Wisconsin really if you want to get to the Big Ten championship game they have to they may have one more loss that they can afford. Iowa is still there, and Iowa, you know, they still have to go to. They still have to play Penn State, but Penn State's looked human. And then also, uh, you know, you look at Wisconsin. I mean, Wisconsin goes and plays at Happy Valley coming up in early November, but you know, Wisconsin's also got not just going to Evanston, but after you know, they have Rutgers the week after, and then they go to Penn State, and then they have Purdue immediately after. And I thought that was going to be a tough game. Anyways, but you saw what the Boilermakers did to the Buckeyes, the formerly number two Buckeyes, last weekend in just an absolute beatdown, a blowout win for Purdue, uh, and they certainly boilered up last weekend. So it should, like again, should be bear, should bear watching what's going on, going to happen there. Uh, in Evanston, and obviously it all starts real quick. I mean, honestly, it all starts one game at a time. They're not looking ahead. They know what it means to go and, and beat Northwestern. It's going to be a tough game. It's going to be one of those games that's going to be interesting to watch, uh, and we'll be there again, 11 a.m. kickoff, and you are looking at uh, – it's going to be on Fox. Joe Davis on the play-by-play. Brady Quinn, former Notre Dame quarterback, first-round draft pick as the analyst with Bruce Feldman noted author and uh, writes for the athletic and he'll be on the, he'll be the sideline reporter for Fox. But, you know, I did one guy that could be obviously with that ground game that could be special this week, not just Jonathan Taylor, but Taiwan deal had quite the game, a 39 yard touchdown run ran for 111 yards. He, you'll hear in the interview. He, he knows his stats folks, uh, 111 yards on 12 carries, almost uh, over 90 yards per carry there. He'll have the opportunity to, again, be that nice compliment along with Garrett Groshek to the standout and Taylor. But we spoke with him earlier today, and here is Taiwan Deal on Bucky's fifth podcast. And we're here with Taiwan Deal, and, and I mean, big game on Saturday. What? How did it feel getting over that century mark? Oh, it felt great, you know, as for any running back, you know, getting over 100 yards is, you know, big. You know, um, those are games that you remember in your career, throughout your playing career. So it was great just being, you know, out for so long and being able to get 111 yards on 12 carries, you know. Um, it felt really good, boosting my confidence and things like that. So I rewatched that 39-yard touchdown run. What goes through your head when you see that line? Just you're jumbled up, everyone's kind of like coming together, and then you just all of a sudden you're breaking through a tackle and you have open space. You know, basically what goes through my mind, you know, um, is uh, trusting your landmark and running through the smoke. And, you know, on that play, I pretty much trusted my landmark. And when my landmark wasn't there, I ran through the smoke and I came out the backside or the front side and. I wasn't expecting that, but I, you know, looked around, saw two dudes, and just started striding for the end zone. When we talk about landmark, what was the landmark that you saw on that? Um, so this is a zone play. So, I mean, really, you know, you you look you're looking at a 
you know, the three technique and, you know, once you want to cut off of that three technique or whatever, and, you know, once that's not there anymore, you look for another hole, backside, frontside, whatever. So basically I just look for those landmarks and just trusted they didn't ran through the smoke. What does it mean to also, like, pump, you know, you always hear the, the adage for running backs, you keep pumping your legs, keep busting through. I know John, or at least I, I've heard that when I was, I was a terrible JV quarterback in Florida, <laughs> I promise you. But what did the, like, what did, we keep churning like that and then busting through, like, like what does that do? What did that do for you, you know, busting through and getting to the end zone? Um, it, it feels great. You know, you work all, you know, fall camp. You work all practice leading up to these games, and you practice those things. You practice keeping your feet moving on contact. You practice, you know, running through uh, contact and things like that. So when you can get in a game and when you – the things you practice when they come to you, you know, just normal, you know, that's, that's, that's the game of football. What did the uh, what was the excitement on the sideline when you got back after that from your especially from your running grab, back group? Um, they were just like really excited, you know. Everyone was giving me that, like yelling in my face, "Let's go!" Like it was just exciting, you know. Uh, it felt great to get that support from your teammates, and it felt great to you know come out and you know had an offensive line just push for me and stuff like that. That felt awesome too. Oh, when. I was going to say, looking ahead to Northwestern, you rushed for 357 yards last week going into this week against Northwestern. What do you see on film that pops out to you instantly when you watch that Northwestern defense? Um, you know, Northwestern has a, you know, good defense. You know, they're sound. You know, they're smart. Um, um, you know, we have a game plan, you know, in place, and, you know, we're just ready to go out and compete against them. I mean, you've been part of teams that, you know, like have gone to Evanston. Like, what do you remember? Do you remember – were you there back in 16? What were just some of the things that you, what do you tell some of the younger players going on a road like, you know, like Ryan Field you know, for a Big Ten West Division matchup? Um, you know, going down to Northwestern, um, you know, you know, they don't have, you know, big crowds, but, um, you know, you ain't got to worry about the, you know, the noise in the stadium and things like that. But, you know, when you get on their field, you know, those, those guys are going to challenge you and they're going to play. So. Um, no, no matter what, I know Northwestern is going to come out and play, and we got to match that same intensity. I'd say my last question for you, when you guys go through the arch for Camp Randall for home games and you guys are getting there like two and a half hours before kickoff, who, in your opinion, has the best dress, the best suit, the best, the best look heading into Camp Randall? Um, I would say guys like uh, Kendrick Pryor, Eric Burrell, um, you know, they have really nice suits and stuff like that. Um, me, personally, I just try to keep it just plain, you know. Uh, I dress up in the same shirt, same pants, you know, every week. I might switch it up here soon with something since it's getting cold. But I just like to, you know, stay I, – I, I don't like to, you know, switch it up too much, so – of course, that was Taiwan Deal. And looking real quick on his season uh, and just looking at some of the stats, even 353 yards right now, second out of the team, five touchdowns, averaging almost seven yards per carry, 6.8, which is really a, a great feeling for the redshirt senior. It's someone that you want to root for just based on what he's been through with injuries and not being able to contribute. And he was, he was a pretty highly touted three-star 
running back out of uh, out of Maryland, and now that now you see him stepping up, and I think he's got he's shown that he can be a great compliment. Runs very, he's got the speed, he, but he has that physicality that maybe you haven't you don't see you know like uh, you see it out of Taylor, but maybe it's just a different type of physicality out of Deal, and so. Uh, but, yeah, so he'll be a big factor, him and Taylor, if they can get that ground game going in Evanston this weekend. Uh, but, you know, great things from him. And you know what? Next week on Bucky's Fifth Podcast, we'll be previewing some basketball, not just talking some football because it's Rutgers week. Um, I'm not necessarily too excited about that, Brian, uh, with, with, with Rutgers. But you, you <laughs> see all what happened with Northwestern. Uh, almost losing the 18-15 game there. But, you know, uh, Fun times there with next week where basketball exhibition season starts there, uh, you know, uh, on Friday night for Greg Gard's bunch, and we'll, we'll break down a little bit for on, on next Tuesday night. But really, next Wednesday, we're here with Brian Caravu, the co-owner of Beer Rock here, 2911 North Sherman Avenue here in Madison. Brian, man, good to have you back on, one. Thanks for having two, me. Two. You have some fun things coming up. Uh, talk to us. And this isn't a plug, by the way. I, I forced Brian to come on here. This is not like a, <laughs> a forced plug or, or whatnot. I, but you have some fun things going on next Wednesday on Halloween. I've, I've seen you on air. I've, you've become TV famous here around local celebrity. <laughs> what are you guys doing here at Beer Rock on the 31st? Yeah, so Halloween proper, I, I know everybody goes down to State Street the Saturday before Halloween. The place to be on Halloween proper, Wednesday, October 31st, is Beer Rock, when we become, for a day, Moe's Tavern, uh, inspired by The Simpsons. So we're very excited to be doing that. It's kind of like a pop-up event, like one day only. If you're not here on the 31st, you're not going to be part of the fun we're going to be, you know, uh, decorating that day to kind of mimic Moe's Tavern. The All the staff who works here is going to be dressed up as Simpsons characters. So if you've ever wanted to go to Springfield and, and kind of, you know, pretend you were a Simpsons character, that that's the day to do it. So how did the idea come about? I know I've asked you before, like how the restaurant came about, but how did this idea just spring up? This is like this is fantastic. It's it's pop culture. It's 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 just an amazing. Why haven't other places done this before? Where did it come from? Uh, it was just an idea in the back of my mind. Like you know, of course, people wear costumes for Halloween. This is way a way for a business to wear a metaphorical costume, uh, and and no better way to do it, I think, than than with a show that has been out for gosh darn near thirty seasons, and and really has touched many generations. This isn't something that you know one segment uh, of people in a five year span are going to enjoy. This is something from millennials to Gen Xers and beyond, uh, I think, can come out and enjoy that night because Simpsons lore is, like, ingrained in their minds. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So who are you going to be dressed? Are you going to spoil it? Give spoilers here? <laughs> that's, that's fine. I can spoil it. All right. Who are you, who are you going as? I, I'm going to be Mo. so... Nice. You'll you'll see me in the bow tie and the apron behind the bar. That is fantastic. <laughs> that is fantastic. Now, what what else do you have going on that night? I mean, I saw a promotion with 
Hertz Donuts, one of my favorite places, one of my favorite donuts in town. Uh, you have obviously some trivia, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Uh, what, what's what's going on? Yeah, lots going on. So, uh, drink specials. We we are first of all pairing uh, two local businesses. Uh, Hertz Donut is going to make the. Uh, the pink frosted donut that you see Homer eat so often in the show. Um, so they're making those uh, Homer donuts, they call them, and we're going to pair them with uh, a, a beer called One Barrel uh, the, by One Barrel Brewing called Breakfast Beer. So do, it's it's a, a coffee stout. So you know donuts mm. and coffee appropriate, right? Uh, so you can get a pairing of the the pour a pour of the coffee stout, the breakfast beer, and and the Hertz donut for six dollars that night. But on top of that, we we are having drinks. We're gonna we are going to have the flaming Homer. We are literally setting it on fire. Uh, so that's gonna be a lot of fun, and uh, we're gonna have Duff beer on tap. So uh, we Where got. Where do you that. get the Duff beer? Where do you get the Duff beer? That's that's a trade secret. Oh, okay. <laughs> well then, uh, so for those in the Madison area, or even from, you don't have to be from the Madison area, from just from the, around the region, come out. It's next Wednesday. Everything, what time does everything start at? I mean, doors open at 3 p.m. The trivia starts at 7.30. It'll be a, you know, a two-hour-long trivia hosted by League Trivia Madison. We, that's, that's specifically Simpsons-themed. Every question will be about the Simpsons, and yeah, it uh, should be fun. Excellent, man. Well, I appreciate you telling us more. I'm going to try to get down here. I got to take some pictures. I know I got to get down here to get at least maybe I can get a media credential. I can get a credential <laughs> here because I think the place is going to be packed, and I'm excited for that. Uh, Brian Caribou, co-owner of Beer Rock, thank you again, my good man. Thanks, Jake. On Wisconsin. And guys, we're going to wrap up the show here at Beer Rock. Once again, 2911 North Sherman Avenue here in Madison, Wisconsin. Big thanks to Amanda and Brian for allowing us to do the show here once again this week. We'll have one next week. Two weeks from now is when the official season begins for Wisconsin basketball, so we'll preempt two weeks from now, but next week we'll be here. And obviously next week too, Railbird Central, 8 p.m. Central's time. They don't have a show this week, but next week they'll have one recapping the Green Bay Packers and the Los Angeles Rams, the contest there in L.A., but... For this show, guys, thank you guys for listening. Be sure to check out Instagram, our Instagram page, Twitter at B5Q, at B5Q for those that want to follow along. You also break it down here, too, on this podcast. Give us a review, guys. Let, let us know what you guys like. We, have, we want the feedback. How can we make this the most Badger-centric podcast possible? That's what we aim to achieve for everybody here at Bucky's fifth quarter. So uh, also listen in iTunes, Google Play. The TuneIn app is great. I love TuneIn for local radio. You can also hear us there on that great app. Uh, subscribe too. That, that way it gets instantly right there at your hands once a new episode is uploaded. And that should be coming up either later tonight or early tomorrow morning for this particular episode. So uh, big thanks again to Beer Rock, 2911, here, uh, 2911 North Sherman Avenue in Madison. We'll catch you guys next week. Uh, make sure you guys check out Bucky's Fifth Quarter for all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, and analysis, both football, basketball, hockey, volleyball. We aim to bring it all to you guys. You guys have a great week.
Thank you.